Hey guys, welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny, the lead pastor. I pray that the message that you're about to hear is encouraging, uplifting, and honestly challenging as well. I want to invite you to join us in person Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street, or catch church online at 11 a.m. on our YouTube or Facebook page. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I pray that you're blessed by today's message and that it helps draw you closer to Jesus. In today's passage, most commentators are in agreement that we are essentially taking a peek in one of the most intimate moments between Solomon and Jasmine. I want to remind you guys about some things that we taught at the opening of this series. God designed man and woman. He instituted marriage. He designed man and woman's body to complement each other. He gives the gift of sex to be enjoyed within the context of marriage. We mentioned that there are three viewpoints or perspectives on sex, right? The first one is this, and that is that sex is God. In in other words, it's all that we think about. It's all that we care about. The point of life is to see how many people you can sleep with. You give all your time, talent, and treasure to it. You sacrifice for it. It's your everything. Uh, The next view is that sex is gross. In other words, it's icky, yucky, and disgusting, so save it for the one you love. It, it, it is gross and inappropriate, so why are we even talking about it at church? And lastly, we have the view that sex is a gift. For followers of Christ, the Bible teaches us that sex is a gift from God to be stewarded and enjoyed within the context of marriage. And when God created Adam and Eve, He designed their bodies to complement one another He blessed them in holy matrimony, and He went ahead and told them to be fruitful and to multiply. And so sex is neither God nor gross, but it is a gift uh, given to us by God Himself to be enjoyed within marriage. The world has diluted and polluted God's design for marriage and our perception of sex in many ways. But through this series, we are redeeming what God intended and blessed for our enjoyment as the main theme of our book, of study has been this very thing. In the Song of Songs, God has given us a poetic, lyrical, articulate, and a beautiful snapshot of the intimacy experienced within a God-honoring, Christ-exalting marriage. And in doing so, we understand that this is something that is beautiful and pleasing. Now, last week, we went into detail about some of the features and characteristics of Solomon. Today, Solomon is going to go into vivid detail in describing Jasmine, as we enter this intimate scene described in chapter 7 of Song of Songs. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the characteristics of a godly woman. Women, I want to encourage you to look at these characteristics and to strive for them. Men, if you're single, this is what you should be looking for in a woman. If you're married, this is what you should be drawing out of her and helping her become. Before we begin looking at the characteristics of a godly woman, we begin with this point, okay? Our passage begins this way. Let's take a look. How beautiful are your sandaled feet, princess. The curves of your thighs are like jewelry, the handiwork of a master. Notice here that Solomon calls her a what? A princess. And here's what you need to know, men, that your wife, your girlfriend, your sisters here in church, The women that you encounter on the street and at work are to be treated as princesses of a king because they are. Women are not mere objects of your desire. They are not to be sweet-talked into submission or taken advantage of for a good time. They are not mere eye candy or pieces of meat to be paraded and devoured. They are daughters 
of a king, and you are to treat them as such. This includes your spouse, but make sure that you show the same respect to all other women around you, on the street, at your school, or on the job. For the ladies, because you are a daughter of a king, make sure you view yourself as one and behave in a dignified manner. Don't fall into the enemy's trap to think that if you don't act ratchet or dress a certain way or have X amount of experiences with men or don't have a certain body count, then you're not valuable or relevant. The world would want you to believe that that is true. And it is evidenced by what is paraded and platformed through the lyrics of Cardi B songs and subliminized in trying to keep up with the Kardashians or indoctrinated through shows like Big Brother and The Bachelorette. Ladies, you are daughters of the King. He created you in His image and likeness. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are beautiful and lovely just the way you are. Don't feed into the world's lies of thinking that if you don't lower your standards, you have no relevance or value. You are extremely valuable. You don't need the approval of any man to give you that. You already have it from the King. And He says you're His princess. Now as we continue studying this chapter, Solomon is describing parts of her body and as you read this passage, you'll notice Solomon is describing her from the bottom of her feet to the top of her head, and he's enjoying every bit of it. But similar to last week when we read the description of Solomon, when we read the description of Solomon, there's so much more between the lines. Now, I'm not like so many scholars and commentators that I read during my preparation of this series that over-spiritualize every description. No, I think when he says that he likes her thighs and her fawns, I think he really likes those parts of her body. But I do think that there's more to it than the physical attraction. For example, in the verse we just read, he says, How beautiful are your sandaled feet. And what I think this means is, and you can write this down, number one, is that if she is hardworking and rooted. It's interesting that her feet are sandaled when she obviously isn't wearing anything else in the rest of the passage. I think what this paints for us is the picture that she is a hardworking woman. She's ready. You might remember in chapter 1, she speaks about her evil stepbrothers making her work outside all day in the hot Mediterranean sun. And this is a girl who's not afraid to get some dirt under her fingernails. It's so interesting that in our day and age, we have women that are looking for a sugar daddy to do all the work and pay the bills. Or that want to try and make a living by posting pictures in yoga pants on Instagram. This is just not true of Jasmine. She has her feet sandaled and she's ready to work. For the women here, can the same thing be said about you? Or do you just sit back all day and expect to be pampered? Fellas, if you're single, find you a woman like that who isn't afraid to get dirt under her fingernails because that is gonna be a woman who won't bail when times get tough. I think that the sandal feet also paints an additional picture. It reminds me of something that we read in Ephesians chapter six, which says this, Strap up your feet in readiness with the good news of shalom, or the good news of peace. Her feet are sandaled, meaning that she is rooted and founded upon the gospel of peace. This is a woman who knows who is her number one, and it's not Solomon. She has sought first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Ladies, your first priority shouldn't be a man. It should be God. Your rootedness and your foundation needs to be built upon an immovable source. Fellas, when you're looking for a potential spouse, this cannot be an afterthought. This has to be a priority. 
Does she love Jesus? Is she pursuing Jesus? Does she read her Bible? Is she plugged into a church family? Where is she committed to growing and being held accountable? By the way, ladies, the same is true for you when you're pursuing a potential spouse. Is he pursuing Christ? Is he reading his Bible? Is he plugged into a church? Why is this such a big deal? Well, because then you have two different gods otherwise. There's two different perspectives. There's two different sets of priorities. There's two different ambitions and goals and points of reference. And essentially, there's two different affections shared between the two. And this is a similar warning that Paul gave the Corinthians when he said this, Do not be yoked together with those who do not believe. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? This is never more relevant than in one of the most important relationships you will have in your life, who you marry. Jasmine is both hardworking and she is rooted. She's pursuing her number one and her foundation is God. The passage goes on to say, Your navel is a rounded bowl. It never lacks mixed wine. Your belly is a mound of wheat surrounded by lilies. Your breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. Solomon's glances travel upward and lands on her belly button. He examines her figure and enjoys um, the twins of a gazelle. Those fawns keep popping up everywhere in the book. But I want to focus on how he says her navel never lacks mixed wine, which means this. Number two, she is full of joy. In the Bible, wine is synonymous with joy. So he's saying that being with her is a pleasure. He enjoys being with her. It's a joy to be in her presence. It's kind of like what the great theologians, The Temptations, said. I've got sunshine on a cloudy day. When it's cold outside, I've got the month of May. What can make me feel this way? My girl. That's what Jasmine is to Solomon. She's sunshine. She's the month of May on a wet, dreary, cold day. She's a joy. She's a pleasure. Ladies, let me just say, this is a quality your husband or potential spouse will enjoy. You don't want to be like the wife in Proverbs chapter 27, which says, An endless dripping on a rainy day and a nagging wife are alike. I like how the message translates it. It says that a nagging wife is like the constant dripping of a leaky faucet. But that's not Jasmine. She's full of joy. And the source of her joy is not her relationship with her man. It's her relationship with her God. Uh, next, the passage reads, Your neck is like a tower of ivory, your eyes like pools in Heshbon by Bathrabim's gate. Your nose is like the tower of Lebanon looking toward Damascus. Remember, he's describing her from bottom to top, and now he's arrived to her neck and her face. He describes her using words like tower of ivory, eyes like pools, tower of Lebanon, which I think helps us see the next set of characteristics of a godly woman. Number three, she is respectable and pure. Her neck is like a tower of ivory, gives us the imagery of a woman who is respectable and dignified. Her eyes, like pools, speaks to her purity and godliness. Her nose, like the tower of Lebanon looking towards Damascus, speaks to her prominence and forward-moving disposition. Something tells me that if Jasmine were around today, she wouldn't be in her underwear twerking on YouTube or doing TikTok dances in her bikini. It sounds like, to me at least, that she has way too much respect for herself to do that. 
It reminds me of the godly wife that is described in Proverbs chapter 31. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. First of all, let me just say that in this passage, she's clothed. And what is she clothed with? Dignity and strength. Ladies, let me encourage you to have strength and dignity. Be respectable and pure. Have honor and dress accordingly. We live in a day and age where we're very proud to want to flaunt and show off and let everyone see and shake what your mama gave you. There is no shame, self-respect, or dignity. The ads on YouTube, the billboards on the subways, the commercials on TV is all people, but especially women being objectified and pimped out for their beauty. Jasmine, however, stands against the grain because she is respectable and pure. Men, find yourself a woman who is willing to keep Victoria's secret to herself when she's in public. Women, don't subject yourself to the twisted, perverted patterns of this world and instead aim to be respectable and pure. Solomon goes on to pay her compliments and he's examined the tips of her toes and now arrives to the top of her head. And he goes on to say, Your head crowns you like Mount Carmel. The hair of your head like purple cloth. A king would be held captive in your tresses. How beautiful you are and how pleasant my love with such delights. Notice all the kingdom talk to reinforce what we mentioned earlier. Her head crowns her like Mount Carmel. He describes her hair like purple cloth. Purple was the color of royalty and wealth. And he mentions that a king being held captive. Uh, this is repeating the fact that she is a princess. She is the daughter of the king, and as such, he treats her and adores her accordingly. And then he goes on to say this, Your stature is like a palm tree. Your breasts are clusters of fruit. I said I will climb the palm tree and take hold of its fruit. May your breasts be like clusters of grapes and the fragrance of your breath like apricots. Your mouth is like fine wine. Well, after all these compliments and after examining Jasmine from the soles of her feet to the top of her head, Solomon feels like climbing a palm tree. Um, I'll let you scholars figure that out. But here's what's happening. Solomon is enjoying all of his spouse, and it's beautiful, and it's right, and it's God-honoring because it is within the context of a marriage. And all Solomon is doing is being biblical. Don't believe me? Look at Proverbs chapter 5. Let your fountain be blessed and take pleasure in the wife of your youth. So married couples, go be biblical. The men at our church today are like, great, I just found my new favorite verse in the Bible, right? You're welcome. Now, how does Jasmine respond to Solomon's climbing up the palm tree? She says, flowing smoothly for my love, gliding past my lips and teeth. I am my love's and his desire is for me. I think she likes it. What do you think? She says that she is his, all of her belongs to him. She enjoys that his desire, longing, and passion is for her and her alone. And all of this is good. And she finishes our chapter saying, Come, my love, let's go to the field. Let's spend the night among the henna blossoms. Let's go early to the vineyards. Let's see if the vine has budded, if the blossom has opened, if the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my caresses. The mandrakes give off a fragrance. And at our doors is every delicacy, both new and old. I have treasured them up for you, my love. She says to take her out to the middle of nowhere, to get lost in the woods, to get away from the busy city, to get out into the fields, away from prying eyes, all for what? Well, would you look at the time? We're out of time. I guess you're going to have to go and figure that out yourself. But before we finish, I want to show you something. 
Look at the imagery that is described here. We have fruit and trees and vines and flowers. It is imagery of the Garden of Eden. And after the fall, after sin entered the world, Adam and Eve felt shame, discovered their nakedness and hid from God. But here, Jasmine and Solomon are naked and unashamed. Things are restored to God's design. There is no shame. They are fully transparent before the God that created them. And this is what God is on a mission to do. We too, like Adam and Eve, we have sinned against a holy God. Our sin created an eternal chasm and broke our fellowship and relationship and intimacy with God. But God, being the ever-providing, loving, gentle warrior king, stepped in to protect us from our own sinfulness. And he did so through Jesus, who lived a perfect and sinless life so that he might become the spotless sacrifice on our behalf once for all. They led our priest King Jesus up a hill and nailed him to a cross, and there he died a most brutal and bloody death, his blood shed and his life being the price for our sin. They took his body off the cross and put him in a grave, and there he laid for three days until Sunday morning, where he conquered Satan's sin and death and victoriously stepped out of the grave, his life, death, and resurrection granting forgiveness of sin and new life. And because of Jesus' sacrifice, we are no longer separated from God. Jesus, the groom, stepped in to save his bride, the church. And because of this, we are promised a return to Eden. We are promised that one day, because of Jesus' atoning work, we will be in paradise where there will be no more shame, guilt, or remorse. There will be no more pain, suffering, or tears. We will be in paradise reunited with Jesus, the Redeemer of our souls. And to experience this gift of grace, all you need to do is confess your sin and your need of a Savior. Put all your faith, trust, and dependence on Jesus, for only He is mighty to save. Let's pray. I pray for the women in our church, God, that they may be hardworking and rooted in Jesus. I pray that the women in our church uh, and for the women who are single and dating, I pray that they would seek their one, seeking the kingdom of God first, before all other things. I pray that you might keep them pure and that you would protect them from the dangers and the ideologies of this world. And Father, we thank you for the intimacy that you have restored for us and with us through Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message. I want to take a second to invite you to join us in person. We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub, 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And come on over, join us, come to the Swerve Hub. Let's worship together. Let's get together. Let's worship God together. Let's learn and grow together. Let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?